Pastor John MacArthur is in town today. We'll talk to him to preview tonight's special event hosted by KCBI and Criswell College. Plus, do all religions lead to God? We'll interview an author who answers that question. And we'll discuss the presidential race and the movie Expelled. This is Jerry Johnson live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here is Penna Dexter. Last night, I think we, we set a new record because it took us 45 minutes before we even started talking about a single issue that matters to the American people. It took us 45 minutes. Is Barack Obama whining a little bit too much about the questioning at the Democratic debate on Wednesday night? Uh, those comments were made in North Carolina yesterday. And uh, he's pretty much complaining about that. He told supporters there that the, uh, the debate focused on trivial matters far too long. Do you think he's whining too much? Uh, what was your impression of that debate? And uh, really, is uh, Barack Obama falling to the earth? Is he getting a little more realistic treatment from the media? We'll talk about that later in the program. Uh, but tonight is a very special night. KCBI and Criswell Radio Network are hosting a special evening with pastor, author, and radio preacher John MacArthur. It's at 730 at Crossroads Christian Church. Uh, Dr. Johnson pulled Pastor MacArthur in for an interview earlier today. We're going to air that in just a moment. Uh, but ladies and gentlemen, as we mentioned yesterday, the Pope... Uh, was and is in the United States. He may have left by now. Uh, he went to the United Nations, and U.N. Secretary General Ban Ki-moon welcomed Pope Benedict to the U.N. Your Holiness, Excellencies, distinguished delegates, ladies and gentlemen, I'm deeply grateful to His Holiness for accepting my invitation to visit the United Nations, home to men and women of faith around the world. In uh, speaking to the United Nations, Pope Benedict said that religious rights are among the human rights the UN must protect. Human rights, of course, must include the right to religious freedom, understood as expression of a dimension that is at once individual and communitarian. President Bush has spoke today at the National Catholic Prayer Breakfast, and he said he was especially privileged to welcome Pope Benedict to the, uh, Pope Benedict to the White House. Wasn't it unbelievable? It was just such a special moment, and um, and it was a special moment to be able to visit uh, with the Holy Father in the Oval Office. 
Well, a lot of people excited about the Pope, Catholics and non-Catholics, and this prompted a discussion that we had here on Jerry Johnson Live yesterday about Catholicism. Uh, we did a lot about the doctrine and the differences between Catholicism and evangelical Christianity. We're going to talk about some other religions today, and, you know, we're going to deal with the statement, all religions lead to God. What's wrong with that statement? What about it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are sincere? Uh, well, of course, you know that these are wrong, but can you really articulate what's wrong with the various religions? We're going to bring a guest in later in the program to help us with this. He's Dylan Burroughs, and he's the co-author of a new book. Uh, it's called What's the Big Deal with Other Religions? Also this weekend, I'm going to go see Ben Stein's movie Expelled, No Intelligence Allowed. We'll uh, talk about that a little bit later in the program. But first of all, uh, I'm very, very excited uh, about the event that's happening tonight at a Crossroads Christian Churches at 7.30. John MacArthur will be the special guest. He will be speaking. Uh, that event is at, um, as, as I said, 7.30, and Crossroads Christian Church is out on 360 south of uh, 20. You really can't miss the church there on the left. And uh, you can still go. It's free of charge, and uh, it'll be a very, very special night with John MacArthur. Now, MacArthur, uh, Dr. MacArthur is pastor-teacher of Grace Community Church in Sun Valley, California. It's very special to me because I actually attended that church for a couple of years in the 80s when I lived near there. And uh, my son goes to the Master's College, which is uh, the school that uh, that John MacArthur is president of. And so uh, I just think it's great that he's coming to Dallas and that people are going to uh, meet Pastor MacArthur in person. Uh, But uh, he actually came to that church, a lot of longevity here, in 1969. And his ministry is based upon expository preaching, the careful study, the verse-by-verse exposition of the Bible. He pays very special attention to the historical and grammatical background behind every passage. When I was a brand new believer, I belonged to his tape club, and uh, so I really got a lot of grounding just from listening to John MacArthur. Uh, he's also, of course, as many of you know who listen to KCBI uh, all day, he's the um, featured teacher on Grace to You radio broadcast on uh, KCBI. And uh, I just uh, was so excited to hear that Dr. Johnson got a little time with him today uh, to do an interview. And uh, Ladies and gentlemen, right now, let's just air this interview that uh, Jerry Johnson did with Pastor John MacArthur. My guest is Dr. John MacArthur. He is the popular preacher on the program Grace to You right here on KCBI. He's written two great books recently, The Truth War and The Tale of Two Sons. Welcome to the program, Dr. MacArthur. Thank you, Jerry. Good to be here. Dr. MacArthur, tonight you're going to be out at Crossroads Christian Church. Would you tell our folks who are listening, they're driving in their cars right now, and they're thinking about coming, uh, tease them a little bit <laughs> with what they'll hear at 7.30 tonight out at Crossroads. Uh, well, uh, we are introducing this new book, The Tale of Two Sons, which is the uh, the greatest parable that the Lord, our Lord ever taught. It's in Luke 15. We know it as the parable of the prodigal son, but it really is way more than that. It's about a loving father and two sons, one a prodigal and one a Pharisee, as a matter of fact. It is the greatest story in the New Testament Jesus ever told on the subject of grace, complete, overwhelming grace. It also ends with a shocking murder, and most people don't really consider that ending to the story. It's the story of the prodigal, but we're going to dig really down deep. In the 40 years of ministry that I've had at Grace Community Church, when I told this story 
preached this, our people responded in ways they've never responded to any other thing I've ever did. I remember when I finished the story, people sat in their seats and wept at the end of the story. Uh, in all 40 years, I never saw any response like this. So I took that story of the prodigal. It took me five weeks to preach it, condensed it down to one message. I'm going to give that message tonight, and you can get the book that fills in all the details. It is the greatest story of God's grace in all the stories Jesus told, all the parables. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Our guest, Dr. John MacArthur, broadcaster right here, grace to you every day. Many of you listen to that program. He's going to be tonight out at Crossroads Christian Church at 730. There's still time to get there. You just get out on 360, go south, and you'll see that big church. It's 730 tonight, Dr. John MacArthur. Free admission. Bring someone with you. Dr. MacArthur, uh, we here at the Criswell College have really been committed to the battle for truth for these years. Dr. Criswell, that was a hallmark of his ministry, inerrancy, sound biblical doctrine. Uh, Our heart resonates with yours. Uh, You've written a book recently called The Truth War. I'd really like for you just to talk a couple of minutes about the crisis, the truth crisis, the truth deficit in the church today, particularly in America, and your heart to see churches, preachers, pastors uh, recover biblical truth. Well, Jerry, as you well know, it's all we have. All we have is the truth. That's it. All we have is the Word of God. Everything that we've been called to preach, teach, and proclaim is contained in one book. Our Lord said we are saved by the Word of truth. Mm. We are sanctified by the truth, John seventeen seventeen. That's all we have is the truth. And Christian people today amazingly seem disinterested in the truth. And there are many pastors, uh, particularly in the new emerging church movement, that think we can't even know what the truth is, that the Bible isn't clear, nobody's figured the truth out yet, we're not about to figure it out now, so let's just love Jesus and act like Jesus in the world, and they abandon any effort to protect the truth. Uh, It's all we have to pass on to the next generation. And when I say truth, I mean this, a true understanding of the Word of God. Mm -hmm. The meaning of Scripture is the Scripture. If you don't get the meaning right, don't get the truth. You really don't know what God's message is. So interpretation of the truth is everything. And then once you know the truth, preach the truth, proclaim the truth, guard the truth as well. So the truth war is the most important thing. Go back to the garden. God says, you'll die. Satan says, no, you won't. And the truth war was on. We're not ignorant of his devices. One of his strategies has always been to get people to doubt God's Word. Dr. MacArthur, finally, I want to ask you this, because we have a lot of preachers and teachers and seminary students and laymen out there who are thinking today about preaching and teaching. Could you just talk about the importance of expository preaching? I don't know anyone who's been more faithful in these days than you. Uh, Talk about the importance of biblical preaching. There is no other kind of preaching that's legitimate. Any other kind of preaching prostitutes the purpose explain the meaning of the Bible. That's all we do. Explain the meaning of the Bible. Read the text, explain the text, and then watch the Holy Spirit apply the text. I I think um, people are starving for the Word of God. They don't know it because they've never, many have never really experienced the wondrous power of the Word of God explained in its richness. Learn as a preacher that all your task is is to explain the meaning of the Scripture. You can shape it all kinds of ways. You can illustrate it all kinds of ways, but it's that meaning that you're after. One footnote to that. Whatever the Bible meant when it was written, 
is what it means now. That's good. That's what it means now. It doesn't mean anything different. You don't give it meaning. I don't give it meaning. Sometimes you're somebody say, what does that verse mean to you? Who cares what it means to you? We want to know what it means to mm-hmm. God. So you've got to go back and get the original meaning. Interpretation is everything. Learn the meaning and then tell the people what God meant by what he said and watch the power unleashed mm. do its work. The Apostle Paul said, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Preach the word. Dr. John MacArthur agrees. Thank you, Dr. MacArthur, for being with us today. Tonight, 730 Crossroads Christian Church. On behalf of Criswell College and KCBI, I invite you to join us. I'm heading out there in a few minutes myself. Thank you, Dr. MacArthur, for being with us. Thank you, Jerry. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, you may want to change your plans tonight and go out to Crossroads Christian Church and uh, hear Pastor MacArthur. It sounds like a blockbuster sermon he's going to give tonight. And uh, he is a radio broadcaster, uh, many stations across the country. He is on KCBI at 5 a.m. and 9 p.m. on weekdays. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we want to talk a little bit about uh, the presidential race. Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton faced off in Philadelphia on Wednesday night, and uh, I don't think uh, the performance was exactly what Barack Obama had hoped for. He's been complaining about the questioning, and uh, the New York Times and the Washington Post editorials both said that Charlie Gibson and George Stephanopoulos who asked the questions, did not do a good job. There are other folks out there who say they did a great job because they brought up some issues that other people would like brought up. And they really grilled them hard on the bitterness uh, comments that Barack Obama made to the San Francisco liberals on April 6th. Also about a terrorist, sort of a 60s, 70s radical, William Ayers, uh, that was brought up. And uh, several other statements that have been made, little inconsistencies uh, on the parts of both candidates. So that was interesting television watching. Does it affect the race? We'd like to know what you think about it. New York Times columnist David Brooks says oh, Barack Obama fell to earth this week after these bitterness comments and also the grilling on Wednesday night's debate. Did he? We're going to talk about it next and take your calls. The number is 800-881-9270. Did the debate Wednesday night change anything about the presidential election? We'll take your calls. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? No partnership. Or what fellowship has light with darkness? No partnership. Or what harmony has Christ with Belial or Satan? No partnership. Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? And the answer to those is negative. This is John MacArthur inviting you to a very special event tonight. A free event full of inspiration and fun. We'll be at Crossroads Christian Church in Grand Prairie. It's an evening with John MacArthur. I love the fact he is called the living God. Don't forget, 7.30 p.m., an evening with John MacArthur. And you, our faithful Criswell Communications family. 
Why? Just to say thank you for your faithful support of this radio ministry. From San Angelo or Texoma or even in the Metroplex, you're invited to this evening with John MacArthur. The Spirit lives within us. The Spirit of Christ, the living God, dwells in us. Tonight at 7.30 at Crossroads Christian Church. A free gift from our family to yours on CRN. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now, here's Penna Dexter. I don't believe that my grandfather or my father or the many people whom I have had the privilege of knowing and meeting across Pennsylvania over many years cling to religion when Washington is not listening to them. That's Hillary Clinton in Wednesday night's debate in Philadelphia, taking full advantage of Barack Obama's comment on small-town America. She says it's really a fundamental misunderstanding of the role of religion and faith in good times and bad times. And, of course, it's the bitterness comment that's so famous, really tying the idea that there are folks out there who uh, have not been able to regain lost jobs in recent years. They uh, really are hit hard by the uh, economy, uh, certain downturns that are taking place right now, and they're turning to, he says, religion, guns, and antipathy towards folks who are not like them. Uh, And this has been um, actually the subject of a lot of criticism of Barack Obama since he said it on April 6th, and it was the subject of some of the questioning in Wednesday night's debate, and we want to know whether this affected him or not. In your mind, we are taking your calls at 800-881-9270. I'm going to tell you what one columnist, New York Times columnist David Brooks, said about it. He used to be an Obama fan. Uh, he really is no longer, does not think that uh, he's a good candidate. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But let's go now to Little Elm and talk to Frank. Hi, Frank. Thanks for calling. Hi, Ben. How are you today? Great. Hey, you know, it was interesting. I didn't catch all of it, but I catched a lot. I caught a lot of the debate. And I, I kind of enjoyed it because Charlie asked some very pointed questions, specifically about, you know, would you ban all handguns? Would you support a D.C. ban uh, on handguns? Which is very interesting, the current case before the Supreme Court. And I, I watched both candidates dance around it. It was unbelievable. Both should have been on Dancing with the Stars because they could have done mm-hmm. the Foxtrot very well with that question. And, you know, you know, it's very interesting because it revealed... Uh, something about both candidates that they've been trying to hide. They're nitpicking over, you know, personal issues about this or that or, you know, Reverend Wright and things like that. But at the end of the day, things like immigration, what are they going to do about it? Absolutely nothing. I mean, handguns. I mean, both are very much pro-gun control. I mean, from an electability standpoint, I honestly can't see either candidate winning the general election. I really can't. Frank, uh, that was the, I think, sinking feeling that certain people who have been supporters of Barack Obama had. Uh, They already probably thought that about Hillary. Uh, But he just was not uh, on his game, and he looked uh, almost like uh, he was too young and inexperienced is something people have been saying. Uh, He really seemed to show that. And on the gun issue that you bring up, I think uh, I'm very glad you brought it up, because here in uh, Pennsylvania, This is a state where people uh, love to hunt and they like their guns, but it's also uh, the case that in Philadelphia, it's a crime capital. And uh, so there's really folks who are battling over the issue of gun rights, uh, whether, you know, certain guns need to be restricted 
and uh, whether or not, of course, then there's the folks that just want absolutely no restrictions on gun rights, and they see that as a imposition on freedom of speech in the First Amendment. And the two of them, you know, you would have thought that they were both just avid hunters uh, in some cases, and yet they had to dance, as you said, around this issue. And it was one of the cases in which they didn't do a good job of articulating their positions uh, because of the political calculus. Uh, what about, though, Frank, are you still there? Yes, I'm here. What do you think just about, I mean, did you see the first part? Because really it was more than the first half where they didn't talk about issues. They talked about um, inconsistencies in their statements. What did you think about that? Did that hurt either both, in your opinion? Well, I think, I personally think it probably hurt Hillary just because, I mean, here's a lady who's been wanting to talk about the issues and clamoring for months about not talking about the issues, and she's not talking about the issues. She could have put the issue to bed, not made a big deal of it, and talked about some of her policy thoughts. But, you know, the polls are saying it didn't really uh, make an impact on Obama. They think he still will ultimately win the nomination, and if that's the case, when people really peel back the onion, I think they're going to be surprised how incredibly liberal and out of step. He certainly won't carry the 19 Dixie states in the South with the opinions that he shared the other night. Well, I think that's true, especially on taxes. Frank, thank you so much. Uh, We appreciate your call. You know, uh, one of the times uh, when he was questioned about his bitterness statements, I don't think he did himself any good because he went back and talked about how the government has not done enough for these people, which reveals his liberalism. Uh, And then he just continued to articulate the same line about how people who are having trouble uh, in their economic life, uh, they're not doing as well as they think they should, then turn to religion. And that is just so not the case with uh, so many Christians, a point Hillary Clinton made so well. So this has to uh, do with really, do they get us? And of course, the whole country is talking about it, even on uh, the Colbert program. The other night, uh, Michelle Obama actually appeared on that program with Stephen Colbert, and he asked about the elitist controversy. Now, let's get right to the heart of the matter. Um, Big story this week. Everybody knows you and your husband are elitists. Um, (laughs) Tell me about your elite upbringing on the south side of Chicago. (laughs) How many silver spoons in your mouth? We we had four spoons. Oh, but there were spoons. There were spoons, four spoons. Okay, so that tag still sticks. And then my father got a raise at the plant and we had five spoons. That sounds posh. Well, he certainly set her up beautifully. We are continuing to take your calls uh, on Barack Obama. Has he fallen to the earth, as uh, David Brooks from the uh, New York Times says? Doesn't mean he's fallen out or that he's been hurt, but he's actually now on the earth, and the media is not giving him the honeymoon that they were uh, bestowing upon Barack Obama. The number is 800-881-9270. Let's go to McKinney and talk with Carissa. Hi, Carissa. Hi. Um, I just personally think that anyone who would be voting for him, knowing that he is so pro-abortion, really would not let that comment affect them very much, because they already have a view of him that he's going to change America. They're not being realistic about what our Christian viewpoint should be on it. Yeah, that's another issue they uh, danced around, too, because they know that they can offend a lot of uh, Pennsylvania Catholics on that very issue. Chris, thanks uh, for your call. Here's what David Brooks said about uh, Wednesday night. He said, back in Iowa, Barack Obama promised to be something new, an unconventional leader who would confront unpleasant truths, 
embrace novel policies and unify the country. We've had callers call into this program that have said exactly that. They haven't been able to say what those policies were uh, for the most part, but they've said they're Christians and they think he's for change and he'll unify the country. Well, uh, David Brooks goes on to write, if he had knocked Hillary Clinton out in New Hampshire and entered general election mode early, this enormously thoughtful man would have become just that. But he did not knock her out and the aura around Obama has changed. Furiously courting Democratic primary voters and apparently exhausted, Obama has emerged as a more conventional politician and a more orthodox liberal. He sprinkled his debate performance Wednesday night with the sort of fibs, evasions, and hypocrisies that are the stuff of conventional politics. Losing the aura, David Brooks says. Uh, He goes on to write, he claimed falsely that his handwriting wasn't on a questionnaire about gun control. He claimed that he had never attacked Clinton for her exaggerations about the Tuzla airport in Bosnia, which he has done. His campaign was all over that. And Obama piously condemned the practice of lifting other candidates' words out of context. But he's been doing exactly the same thing to John McCain, especially over his 100 years in Iraq comment. Now, that's just the part about the first half of the debate where Charlie Gibson George Stephanopoulos laid into the two candidates about some of their inconsistencies. There's more on the issues. But let's just uh, play an example, Larry, of uh, Barack Obama actually maybe twisting a few words of uh, who he thinks is going to be his opponent in the general election, John McCain. Uh, In this bite, John McCain supporters are saying that Barack Obama is twisting McCain's words about the economy. First, here are Obama's comments. And on the domestic front, just yesterday, John McCain went on television. See, I want to get this right. John McCain went on television and said that there has been, quote, great progress economically over the last seven and a half years. John McCain thinks our economy has made great progress under George W. Bush. Hmm. Very interesting. Well, here's John McCain from the original interview that's being referred to with Peter Cook of Bloomberg TV. I'm going to ask you a version of the Ronald Reagan question. Yep. You think if Americans were asked, are you better mm-hmm. off today than you were before George Bush took office more than seven years ago? What answer would they give? Certainly in this time, we are in very challenging times. I, I, we, we all recognize that. Families are sitting around the kitchen table this evening and figuring out whether they're going to be able to keep their home or not. They're figuring out whether they're, why it is that suddenly and recently someone in their family or their neighbors has lost their job. There's no doubt that that we are in enormous difficulties. I think if you look at the overall record and millions of jobs having been created, etc., etc., you could make an argument that there's been great progress economically over that period of time, but that's no comfort. That's no comfort to families now that are facing these tremendous economic challenges. But let me just add, Peter, the fundamentals of America's economy are strong. We're the greatest exporter, the greatest importer, the greatest innovator, the greatest producer, still the greatest economic engine in the world. And by the way, exports and free trade are a key element in an economic recovery. But these are tough times, tough times. And uh, uh, nobody knows that more than American families, including in small towns of Pennsylvania. You know, liberals love to make it sound like things are falling apart. Uh, That way they can propose big government programs and tax increases 
and things to fix those problems. And that's what's really going on here. Uh, Another promise that was made during this debate uh, was not to raise taxes. And uh, we may talk about that a little bit later and sort of clarify uh, Barack Obama's statements on it. But next up, uh, we've got another subject, ladies and gentlemen, and it has to do with can you articulate the differences between your faith and some of the other religions? Uh, Do you know what the difference, for instance, is between Christianity and Buddhism or Mormonism or uh, Hinduism? We're going to talk about someone who has provided a tool to help people do that. He is Dylan Burroughs, and he joins us next. Stay with us. listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's Penna Dexter. He is a humble servant of God. He is a brilliant professor. He is a warm and generous soul. He is, uh, he is courageous in the defense of fundamental truths. Certainly courageous in the defense of the sanctity of human life. Of course, that's President Bush talking about Pope Benedict. He was speaking today at the National Catholic Prayer Breakfast. And uh, he was just very impressed with the Pope. And uh, because of the Pope's visit, we talked about Catholicism yesterday, and we did almost the whole program on it, talked about the differences between Catholicism and evangelical Christianity. That was a lot of fun. And uh, that brings up the idea that uh, maybe a lot of us don't know enough about other religions to be able to argue our faith against those religions, and it's important to do so. And our next guest thinks so, so much that he co-authored a book about it. Uh, And our guest is Dylan Burroughs. He's been a guest on this program before. And he, with John Ankerberg, authored the book, What's the Big Deal About Other Religions? Answering the Questions About Their Beliefs and Practices. Dylan, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be with you this evening. Well, we had a lot of fun talking to you about your other book, What Can Be Found in Lost, about the popular program Lost. Why did you and uh, John Ankerberg uh, put together this book? Was there a fundamental problem you see in among Christians that made you think this was necessary? Well, certainly. One thing that we've seen in our culture over the past several years is that there is a resurgence in spirituality, and people are very interested in talking about things of faith, and many people consider themselves spiritual people, but more frequently than ever before in our culture, people do not consider themselves strictly Christian. A perfect example of that is what is being popularized on Oprah right now, where they're talking about very many spiritual things, but they're not talking strictly about Christianity. So there are lots of reasons we can look at other religions and find value in them, and some of that is simply to better understand our own faith, But also, if we want to engage those who are outside of the Christian faith or who have questions about it, we need to at least have a basic understanding of what these other faith systems teach and what they practice in their history. And that's what we set out to do in a book that, instead of taking on one faith for an entire book, we tried to do just one chapter on each major religious system that's popular in our culture today and help people understand what it's all about. All right, Dylan Burrow is my guest. And Dylan, you brought up Oprah. And right now, Oprah's got this, uh, what she's called uh, a webinar taking place. It's sort of an interactive time on the web. She signed up over half a million participants. And her guest doing this or co-hosting this is Eckhart Tolle. 
he's got an interesting mix of religions in his theology that he's perpetrating. Uh, can you tell us anything about him? Well, certainly, and he admits up front that his teachings in this book is a mixture of Eastern religion as well as Islam, and then he tries to blend it with Christianity, and, and part of the way he does that is by citing different verses from the Bible. If you look at the book that the seminar is based on, it is including 25 verses, at least, from the Bible, from what I've been able to research. But he often uses those verses in ways that contradict the way the Bible interprets it itself. For instance, in John 14:6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, talking about himself as the only way to have a relationship with God and eternity in heaven. But in the book, it talks about that same verse, and when it interprets it, it talks about it from the standpoint that we are the way and the truth and the life. So he brings it to a human level, where in the end he says there's not one way to God, but if Jesus is really loving, there must be more than one way so more people can go to heaven. Well, a lot of people say that, even Barack Obama, who says that uh, he's a Christian, and he says the reason that he's a Christian is because of his relationship with Jesus Christ, but then he sort of opens it up to his atheist mother that she's a good person, so, you know, she could go to heaven, and on and on. And this is really what we're facing in the culture right now. It's sort of this, uh, I don't know, uh, bleeding heart, not wanting somebody not to go to heaven, so you change your definition of your religion, don't you think, Dylan? Yeah, and Erwin Luther, the pastor of Moody Church in Chicago, said that is the number one lie of our culture spiritually, is saying that there are multiple ways to God and to eternity. But it seems to make more sense to me, as well as to many Christians who have written on this topic, that if Jesus really wanted us to know him and spend eternity with him, that he would give us one way, and he would give us instructions marked clearly on how to know him. And as Christians, we believe that that one way is Jesus, that he's revealed how to know him through his word in the New Testament scriptures. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have a question or a comment on this subject, give us a call, 800-881-9270. Dylan Burroughs is my guest, and his book is What's the Big Deal About Other Religions? It's really a handbook, uh, Dylan. And, you know, I want to just ask you one more question about Oprah before we move on from her. I think she's a real danger because uh, people think that she, some people think she is a Christian because she's used Christianity within all the religions that she promotes. Something else she's done recently is uh, she has promoted uh, a course in miracles. And uh, this one really refutes Christianity uh, while assuming a little bit of the mantle of it. Can you talk about it? Yeah, and the danger with Oprah in general is that she has this surface appearance that she has done so much good for society, and she has. She has helped in education and financial giving to humanitarian causes, helping with uh, relief in Hurricane Katrina and other endeavors she's been part of. And those are all good things, and we want to affirm that. But on the flip side, a person could be very generous and have very uh, wrong and misinformed ideas about spirituality, which is the case here with Oprah and some of the ideas we've talked about. One of those being the Course in Miracles, and that has been something that's been around for some time that combines some Christian concepts with New Age concepts that seek to you know, provide miracles for a person's life, but also the focus is not on what God can do for you, but what you can do for you by looking at your inner self and the power within versus the power that God gives through His Holy Spirit. Wow, Dylan, I wish I had a lot more time with you because there's so many religions addressed in your book. But I think uh, one of the questions I just want to ask, sort of a general one, is that you hear people say that, well, you know, we're Muslims, but we pray to the same God as Christians, or, you know, other religions will say we're all praying to the same God. And so is this a uh, true statement? 
Well, it's certainly not true, and the way you can defend that in terms of information is to look at how people define God, and the difference between God and Allah, for instance. If you're a Muslim, the Quran's tradition teaches death to those who convert. That's what they teach in the Quran traditionally. Now, if you're Jewish, you believe that in separation from non-Jews, if you're Orthodox, and on some of these core beliefs of who God is and how we relate to Him and how we relate to other humans as a result of our faith in Him, there are very conflicting views. Uh, for instance, Christians believe that Jesus is God and part of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Muslims only believe that Jesus was a prophet and that he was a created being versus someone who was e- eternal with God and part of uh, the Godhead as we know him as Christians. So we define God differently from the start, and as a result, we pray to God differently, and we cannot say logically that both ways are right at the same time. All right, we know that uh, Islam is growing quickly. Uh, We also know a lot about Mormonism because we've had discussions on this program uh, with regard to Mitt Romney's candidacy. We talked about Catholicism this week. Uh, What would you say, uh, of all the religions that you discuss in the book, is another that's fast-growing and sort of a big threat to Christianity in this country? Well, one I want to mention up front is Wicca, and most people don't even know what Wicca is, but it's America's fastest-growing form of witchcraft. And it's currently the fastest-growing religion in America, with the number of Wiccans doubling every two years or so. At the current rate, it's expected to be the third-largest religion in America by 2012. That's only four years away, and yet most people who are Christians don't even know what Wicca is. And that's part of what this book is for, so people who don't have an understanding of some of these religious movements, when they're encountering new ideas, can get a Christian worldview perspective on the facts of this religious movement, just in a straightforward way, not trying to be mean toward people this other faith, but show how it's different from Christian faith and how you can dialogue with someone who believes that way. Is Wicca the same as witchcraft? It is a form of witchcraft, and it is a form that popularized in England in the 60s and made its way over to America, and is now the form that is the most popular in America. So when you talk to people who are into witchcraft, they usually say they've read uh, books on Wicca by various authors, and that's been their major influence because of their writings in bookstores, its availability on the Internet, some of the networks that are available in America today. Uh, But simply put, it is a form of witchcraft, and it's the most popular form in the general public today. Okay, the book talks about Islam, Judaism, Hinduism, Mormonism, Catholicism, Wicca, Kabbalah, Jehovah's Witnesses, Buddhism. Uh, The other one I want to get to is, because we've seen this, uh, really a resurgence in people who say that they are actually atheists. They don't believe in anything. First of all, that's so hard for me to believe. I think everybody has some sort of religion. Uh, but it's really growing, and how can we respond to it? Well, I think it's important, first of all, to know the facts, that over 90% of Americans believe in God or some form of higher power. But on the flip side, we can't agree what that higher power is. And those who don't believe in any form of God are very vocal in saying that you can't even agree on who God is. Why should we even believe he exists? And the danger in today's modern atheism that's become popularized in some of the best-selling books of the past year is that it's very vigilant and bitter in many cases against people who are religious in nature in general. For instance, they will lump in uh, fundamentalist Christians or even evangelical Christians with extremist Muslims and say that to raise your child in a Christian household is the equivalent of child abuse. And when you're throwing around that kind of rhetoric, it's very dangerous because, one, it's misinforming the public about what Christianity is, 
but two, it's often starting these battles that are tempting for Christians to get involved in with the wrong attitude and the wrong heart response that can uh, make the stereotypes that they proclaim uh, even more true when we become angry about it instead of dia- dialoguing about it in grace and with love and with the truth of Scripture. Dylan Burroughs, thank you so much for joining us today. Your book sounds great. What's the big deal about other religions answering the questions about the beliefs and about their beliefs and practices? Sounds like a great resource. Have a great weekend. Thank you. It's great being with you. Uh, Sounds like a really good thing to uh, have on your shelf, ladies and gentlemen. Speaking of atheists, uh, one prominent atheist, Richard Dawkins, is actually in the movie that comes out this weekend, Expelled. I know some Criswell students are there right now seeing the movie. We're going to talk about a little bit about that movie after the break. Also, is John McCain too old to be president? Give us a call, 800-881-9270. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? No partnership. Or what fellowship has light with darkness? No partnership. Or what harmony has Christ with Belial or Satan? No partnership. Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? And the answer to those is negative. This is John MacArthur inviting you to a very special event tonight. A free event full of inspiration and fun. We'll be at Crossroads Christian Church in Grand Prairie. It's an evening with John MacArthur. I love the fact he is called the living God. Don't forget, 7.30 p.m., an evening with John MacArthur. And you, our faithful Criswell Communications family. Why? Just to say thank you for your faithful support of this radio ministry. From San Angelo or Texoma or even in the Metroplex, you're invited to this evening with John MacArthur. The Spirit lives within us. The Spirit of Christ, the living God, dwells in us. Tonight at 730 at Crossroads Christian Church. A free gift from our family to yours on CRN. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now, here's Penna Dexter. I've served with the seven presidents. When they come in, they all make mistakes. They all get older. And uh, this one guy runs about as old as me. Let me tell you something, there's no old man's job. That's Democratic uh, Congressman John Murtha, and he's 75 years old. He thinks John McCain is too old to be president. It's not an old man's job, he said. Uh, If elected, McCain would be the oldest man to become president at age 72. Do you think that's too old? If you do or if you don't, if you have an opinion on that, give us a call at 800-881-9270. John McCain seems to be pretty energetic, and of course he regularly brings out his 96-year-old mother to make the point uh, that he's got uh, longevity in his genes. Uh, Some Democratic operatives put together uh, sort of a fun-poking montage about John McCain's age, uh, talking about things that are younger than John McCain. With all this Obama-Hillary, Obama-Hillary, I forget, isn't there another guy running too? Yeah, John Sidney McCain, but no one's really paying attention to him because he's kind of old. He did say he's older than dirt. Well, not as old as dirt, but he's older than a lot of things. Um, He's older than my father. Well, he's older than my grandfather. That means John McCain is older than FM radio. Hmm. John McCain is older than the Golden Gate Bridge. And the Lincoln Tunnel, too. McCain is older than the periodic table of elements. All right, not really, but he is older than plutonium. I got it, I got it. 
John McCain is older than McDonald's and Burger King and probably a whole bunch of other fast food restaurants, too. John McCain is older than Coconut Can. John McCain is older than Indonesia. And Pakistan. And Iceland. I got it. The dude's older than Velcro. And he's older than Nylon. He's even older than Color TV. John McCain is older than Dick Cheney. Why? Well, old or not, John McCain is probably having a lot of fun watching Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama fight it out. And uh, if you think John McCain's too old, or if you don't, give us a call, 800-881-9270. Let me also mention that Howard Dean, who is chairman of the uh, Democrat National Committee, uh, said he was going to sort of wait it out until July uh, for these superdelegates to decide in which direction they are going to go. If they go toward Hillary Clinton, that could just about be her only hope for securing the nomination. Uh, but now he's sort of changing his tune. He doesn't like the fact that all this bickering is going on, and he wants them to decide sooner. In fact, there are 25 of them who are very important, and he is calling on them to uh, jump on board with somebody. Anyway, give us a call and tell us if you think McCain is too old to be president. 800-881-9270. Mary is in the colony. Hi, Mary. Hi. Uh, first of all, I love to listen to your show Thank um, you. while I'm at work. And um, the uh, second comment I have is, what happened to the 70 is now the new 50? And in this time, I think we really need his wisdom because I tell you what, McClinton and Obama are just looking uh, like, not very good candidates more and more every day. Well, there is something to be said about wisdom and uh, the fact that he's been in office for 25-plus years. Uh, I just had this, I don't know, when I looked at Barack Obama, he seemed almost like a college kid to me Wednesday night. He is a very articulate speaker, but he just didn't seem ready with responses. He didn't seem to have that seasoned uh, sort of uh persona that you need uh, in the White House. And now that he's whining about the questioning, you kind of got to wonder what else he would whine about, uh, because a lot of things happen that you don't like when you are president. Well, if you've got a a comment uh, on the age of John McCain, we would love to hear from you. I also want to bring up a couple of other things. And one is the movie Expelled, uh, which is opening, actually opened today in 1,000 theaters across the country. I talked to Ted Bear of Movie Guide earlier, and he just can't say enough about the movie. Uh, it's a documentary, but it's really a lot of fun to watch, from what I understand. Others, like James Dobson, have just given it a thumbs up, so is Michael Medved. Uh, and it really is uh, about the intelligent design, Darwinism debate, and a lot more. We talked about atheism earlier in the program. And, uh, you know, there's this whole uh, situation in academia that if you are a Christian and if you bring that into your science, then your job is in danger. (laughs) And uh, basically, Ben Stein goes around and talks to several um, professors and asks them a very simple question. What if the universe began with an intelligent designer, a designer named God? And he assembles a stable of academics and, uh, you know, talks to them about their questioning of Darwinist assumptions and what happened to them. Uh, Most of them have found themselves expelled from intellectual discourse as a result. And uh, so this, and he combines this with music and a lot of humor. 
and my husband and I are going to see the movie this weekend, I suggest you do because this is the type of movie that will educate people, uh, that will bring in uh, a course in intelligent design, and uh, I think more importantly, a course in political correctness and really just bring people to the understanding that there's just a certain side of the debate that is always squelched and that Darwinism is just assumed to be true. Well, let's uh, go back to the phones very quickly. Chance is in Dallas. Chance, thanks for calling. Chance, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Mm-hmm. Go ahead. All right. No, I'm just calling to comment that I think that John McCain is a little too old to be president. I mean, at 72, uh, if you look at George Bush when he first took office or Bill Clinton when he first took office, at the end of their term, they look like they've aged about 30 years. So, not, maybe not 30, that's an overstatement, but... So at this point, wouldn't it be we might be voting on who his vice president is instead of who he is? I don't understand that last statement. Well, it's because if he is 72 and something does happen in office, isn't it very important who his running mate would be? Yes, it is. What, it is important. So that's just, that's just my comment. So. You know, I might mention Ronald Reagan didn't seem to age in office. I don't know why that is. Let's go to George in Dallas. George, very quickly. Well, then, uh, just uh, quoting, uh, you just mentioned Reagan, you know, the, the bastion of modern conservatism. And, you know, in the debates in 1980, you know, he joked that, you know, he wasn't going to let his, you know, his opponent's youth and inexperience be an issue in the election. And, of course, brought down the House, you know, with those mm-hmm. who were out were, were, they were held at that point. And I believe they came the same way. You know, it's the heart of the man and the wisdom, not, not the outside body. The man, the man endured Vietnam and, and Noy Hilton. He can handle the presidency. Thank you very much, George. I appreciate it. Uh, the youth and inexperience of Barack Obama uh, could be used against him. I think it is being used against him this week simply because he just hasn't been able to rise above uh, some of the gaffes that he's made. Uh, he hasn't made wise choices in dealing with them, even though he's had time to think about that. I don't know that that really hurts him in the primary but I think it may hurt him when he comes up against John McCain in the general election. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you have a nice weekend. I hope you go and see Expelled. Uh, maybe I'll see you at the movie theater. Next week, David Horowitz uh, is going to join us. Of course, he's a former socialist, but now he's a conservative, and he's a great writer. Uh, he's got a new book, uh, which he will uh, talk about when he joins us next week. Also, Lawrence Solomon uh, will join us on his new book on global warming called The Deniers, world-renowned scientists who stood up against global warming, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Ought to be a lot of fun, so we hope you join us next week and have a great weekend. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m., for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.